Pastor had a couple sermonettes with the children during that process, amen, and we made it through, amen. So I'm very proud of all the work that our children have done. Uh, if you would turn to your Bibles, to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. We're coming to a new series. Our last series we left out was the game of life. We talked about Job and... Uh, during that series, Pastor went through a lot, so don't y'all look for Job anytime soon from Pastor. But what I want us to go t into, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to really dig, try to dig deep as we can through this book. But what I want us to understand that when we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19, simply, will we say yes? That's the question I want to to pose to you, will we say yes? And let's make it personal, will I say yes? Will I say yes? Ephesians says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know that, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. How many of us know that it's hard to, to give God a yes when you're going through? Amen? How many of us know it's hard to give God a praise when you're broke as a joke? Amen? It's hard when you're pulling out your pockets and all you can pull out is lint. Amen? It's hard. I'm, I'm just being very honest and real this morning because many times I know we can get up and, and always say praise God at all times. But I want us to understand it's hard to give God praise when your husband is tripping. Amen? Amen. When your husband is tripping and he's been out all night and he's been drinking, he's been doing everything else, it's hard to give a little praise that morning. Amen? Amen. It's hard on the flip side when our wife is tripping, amen? Or, or whatever relationship we have, amen? It's a little hard to praise that day, amen? amen? It's hard to give God praise when you're going through. But you know, the truth is, when you focus on God, he's truly the light in our storm. Amen. See, when we focus on ourselves, we forget. We forget how, when it says, imaginable. His greatness is towards us. So what I want you to understand, I want you to understand that I'm a living witness that the devil can tempt you to not live right. I'm a, a, a living witness that the devil can tempt you to doubt God's power. I'm a living witness that, that God, that the devil will tempt you to try to persuade you that, you know what? It's not worth it. Last Sunday, Last Sunday, we were having a nice, good time, and, and, and my son was not feeling it as well as he is doing today. He's, he was starting to run a temperature, and we really didn't know that. And at a certain point, my wife was holding him, and he begins to have a seizure for the first time. We don't have seizures, uh, 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 medical history of seizures in our family. And so you feel unprepared for the moment. Came to a point where he even had stopped breathing, looked lifeless. 
And all I could do was say, please, God, help my son. Shortly after that, he, he moved a little bit. See, it's hard to praise God when you're going through. But all I do know, when you're in the midnight hour of your life, sometimes you can't call mama. And you know the bank has been closed since 5 o'clock. You can't go to the payday loan people. Because you already owe them some money anyway. You can't call on your so-called best friend. But the God that I serve does not slumber. The God that I serve does not, not sleep at or, or have an office hours of 9 to 5. He's a 24-7 God. And so that God was there for me. Now, this is why I want you to understand. You go to the, the uh, Melothian didn't have a hospital. So you got to travel outside the town. God said, I'm going to push you in your faith. I mean, push you. We're going to push you in your faith. You don't know what's wrong with him. You don't know what's happened. You, don't, you can go and you step back and you keep going back. What was the cause? You don't know. But all you do know that you're going to another city just to go to the emergency room. And when you get there, they say, well, it probably was a fever-induced seizure. All right. They give you a regimen. All right. But then when you travel back, just to get your stuff so you can go home. When your son has another seizure, you say, Lord God, please, I've had enough. And God says, I'm going to keep pushing your faith some more. So I want you to be calm in the moment. But I want you to keep pushing your faith. Oh, God will push your faith. And so he had another seizure. Now we're having to travel from Elothian to all the way up to Dallas to go to Children's. And all through this week, and, and he was fine. The temperature went down. Went to 104 twice, went down. But all through this week, I've been watching him. I spent more time with my son, and I, have to, I hate that my boss is here. But some meetings I moved around so I could just spend some time with him. Because I had realized during the, these last three years of his life, I've probably just been at work and hustling and trying to make things right in the community and so forth that I may not have spent all the time that I wanted with my own son. I may have been at the church a little too much, so I didn't come on Tuesday night because I wanted to spend some time with my son. Because in that moment, I thought I lost my namesake. I thought I lost my junior. And I could not imagine life without him. My son was not some planned deal, but he was a plan of God. And so when we get into the scripture and we talk about the power of God, Paul talks to the Ephesians and he's saying, you know what? I have a prayer for you. But your, my prayer hinges on you being obedient and saying yes to God. The yeses to God are always not easy. The yeses to God may put you at a place where you're alone. It may put you at a place where you're in opposition to everyone else. But the yeses to God are essential to the blessings that you truly want to have. So this Ephesian church said yes. When we go back and, and talk about this Ephesian church, I hope that this church of Victory Baptist Church will be a church of yes. A yes not to the pastor, not to what the community says, but a yes to what God is saying. Amen. Amen. That's a hard thing to do. Because see, that Ephesian church at times was persecuted. You're going to be persecuted at times. You're going to be singled out at times. But it's all right. Because you got to understand that temporary situation that you're going to. That God has an eternal treasure for you at all times. God had your back. 
So the first thing I want you to understand when we get into verse 16 and 17, saying yes to God deepens our relationship with him. It deepens our relationship with him. Paul talked about here that, you know what, I want you to have a, a revelation. I want you to, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will come and cause you to grow in the knowledge of God. Now, but this is the thing. Paul was not talking about head knowledge. He at times talked about it in Philippians 3.10 when he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. But here in this moment, he is talking here in this moment about a relationship. Now understand, if you ask me, do I know? All right. Do I? I'm sorry, I had to pause. In this, thank you. In this, in this moment, he's not talking about head knowledge. If you ask me today, do I know Barack Obama? I could tell you yes. I know him, all of us know him on TV. But do I know him? No, if, I, if he saw me on the street, the, so the Secret Service put me down on the ground to get back. Because I don't know him. But I know Brother Damon. I know many of y'all. Because, see, I spent time with you. See, I never spent time with Barack Obama. The only time I've seen him in person was at Reunion Arena. And it's not even there anymore. People say I was a lie. If you didn't know Reunion was there. When he came to Dallas, that's the only time I've seen the man. And he was sickly that day. That's all I can talk about. I saw Barack. And I don't even have pictures of it anymore because I tried to transfer to one phone to another. I deleted it by accident. I have no proof. No proof. And how many of us got them stories? Well, I saw Michael Jackson. Real? You know Michael? Yeah, we spent, we spent time together. Where? I spent $50 at the concert. I know Beyonce. For real? In the elevator with Jay-Z? No. Anyway, we can move on. We move on. But you don't know them. But do, but, but do you have an intimate relationship with God? Many of us have a head knowledge of God. I know God of the Bible. I read it. I know God of a history book. I read it. I know God that they talk about. But do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do I have a relationship? Have I spent time with the Lord? Can I testify? Can I tell you of the test that become a testimony in my life? Can I tell you of the message that he put me through? Can I tell you of that? That's talking about an intimacy that I've had with him. It's talking about an experienced knowledge. God wants us to have more than, than, than what we think. Many of us will get so much book sense, we get no real sense. What do I mean by that? We got many educated people that can tell you the theories and the theologies of God himself. But do not have a relationship with God. Think about a married couple who never are intimate. Even in the law, it says if you do not consummate, that you can annul that marriage. Because you have no intimacy. You just have a book knowledge of that person. You just have a ceremony that you did. But you need to have a relationship with God Almighty. Now, how can I do that? You can do that by reading your word. The Spirit will guide us and help us to understand as we read. We can do that as coming to church and worshiping. That means that we are trying to live the songs. When we sing our awesome God, that should be real. That he delivered me. He moved mountains. He hid me from many things. He hid me from the mess that I was in. He hid me when I was in a crack house. He hid me when I was late at the job next to the fire in my tail. He hid me. He hid me. 
And so that's how you can grow. You can grow through your prayers, that God will listen and answer your prayers. But at sometimes when we pray, we have to listen. Too many times we talk, and, and, and we, we like a, a person that talk too much. You talk so much, you don't know what's going on. In our prayer time, we have to listen. How do I listen? Just be quiet for a moment. Be quiet in our quiet times. We must fellowship with others. Fellowship will help to bring an experience. Because this is the thing God said to us. He said to us, there is no new thing under the sun. Why was he saying that? He wasn't saying that you're not special. Well, he was telling you that there's somebody else who went through what you're going through. You think you've been hated at work? There's somebody else who's been hated at work. They can give you a testimony of what they've been through and how God overcame all that. They can tell you the blessings that came out of the pain and how they became more strong through it all. If you say, I'm trying to overcome a drug addiction, there are people here who can testify, I overcame crack cocaine, overcame all the abuses I did to my body. If you say I'm an alcoholic, there are people who can testify. That's why God says, I, am, I have people who have a testimony for you. A testimony. Now we have the church, we gotta start being uh, so holy. We get so holy that we say, you know what, I was born saved. I have no past. I don't have a closet. God said there's a closet and you've been locking it up. Open it up so everybody can see your drawers. <laughs> Open it up. Because see, your drawers are helping somebody else get themselves right. Your mistakes and your, your mess is helping someone else get right. God did not allow you to go through that for nothing. But when you hide it in the closet, you make it like it was nothing. God wants you to understand what I allowed you to go through and for you to be a testimony to those who are lost. And so when we get here, when Paul said, I'm not crying for you for the head knowledge, I want you to have the relationship knowledge. That when we get to the second point, saying yes to God broadens our perspective in life. We went from, it helps us to have a better relationship and a deep relationship. It gives us a better perspective in life. We read verses 18 through 20. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What we are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty of his great mighty hand. God is wanting to broaden our perspective. Well, what do you mean, Pastor, by perspective? Sometimes we can talk about perspective. When you, when you ask people on the street, well, what do you think about this? They have a perspective of something. If, if we went on the street and asked 10 people, what do you think of church? They have different perspectives of church. But when you say yes to God, it broadens your perspective of God. It broadens your perspective of the life he's trying to let you lead. You see, when I saw my son that day, I knew I had, to, I had already talked about we can't change our circumstances. We need to change our attitude. God was saying, stop looking so narrow and look so much bigger. You can look at it as, oh, my son going through. Or you can look at it, God is trying to deepen the relationship of my family with him. He's trying to broaden the faith that I have with him. Now understand, up to this day, the doctors do not know why. We're going to have more tests on Wednesday to go into the why. 
What if they come back? As many people told me, they could not figure out the why. Many of us get angry when we don't have the why answer. God is saying, do you have enough faith in me and trust in me that I take care of your wives? Do you have enough faith and trust in me that you know I will direct you and guide you? Do you believe that Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, when it says, if you don't lean upon your own understanding and you lean upon me, that I promise you, I didn't say I'm, I'm, it might happen, I give you a guarantee, I will direct your path. Now, God didn't say in that verse that it would be easy. If anything, Jesus himself said, it's a narrow road. It's a road that everybody's not going to travel. But it's a road of hope. Because the road that is wide is a road of despair and destruction. So the narrow road will get me to a road of hope and light. And so here, you see Paul is saying, I want you to have a spirit of understanding. I want God to come in your life and give you this understanding of him. I want you to be lit up by his light. We need to realize that, that we don't know it all yet. That's a hard thing for us, because even in the Garden of Eden, the issue was Eve and Adam wanted to know it all. They wanted to be like God. Don't we have folks like that in our lives? Don't we have sometimes our children act like that? I, I spoke to someone just recently, and they were talking about their 16-year-old son. He's acting like he knows it all. You can't tell him anything. And the lady asked me, when did that end? I said, well, for me, it ended about 25. It peaked really hard my freshman year in uh, college. Because I thought it had got me a little, a little learning. I read some books. And I thought, you know what, Mama? This is what I've seen in the, in the studies. I don't know if you're running your house right, Mama. <laughs> mama? Mama? I, did, I got books. Mama, you ain't going to answer me? All right, Mama. And one until later, that was an insulting thing. This woman had raised me and raised me. She had took care of me when no one else was taking care of me. But because I thought I knew something, you can tell me nothing. God is saying for us as Christians, many times we get in here, we act like we know everything. And God wants us to understand, we don't know much at all. We're living this life, and you got some old fools, don't you? You don't have to be a young fool, you can be an old fool. You're going to be an old fool who does not know God. You're going to be an old fool that doesn't, has not submitted your life truly to God. You're trying to do everything else, and you want to come in here holy, but you're still an old fool. Fool does not have an age requirement. It's just a fool requirement. And so we get here where it says that we have been invited. That we have been invited to this, this family, this relationship by Christ himself. There's still more for us to learn. There's still more for us to, to go through. There's still more for us to, 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 for us to get deeper into our word about God. If we say yes, we start to understand that God is in control of our life. If we say yes, we understand that God has more in store for us later. That we don't have to bet on today. You may not have your, your so-called uh, uh, salary increase today. They may not have given you a pay raise. You may have not promotion. You may not have a job today. You may not have the man that you think you should have in your life. You may not have what you think in the housing that you have in your life. But God is saying, understand when you say yes, you deepen your understanding that have more in store later. 
that my testimony is not on what on Sunday morning. My testimony can be like Abraham. He didn't even get to see the promises that God had laid before him. He said, your people are going to go through slavery. Abraham said, okay. He said, I'm going to move you out of an urban city, like a New York City. I'm going to move you up to like an East Texas and say, this is going to be your land. Work it out. And I just want you to travel this. And he said that to Abraham. And Abraham said, okay. Abraham struggled with this. He made many mistakes. But toward the end of his life, he started getting it right. Because he understood, what I don't have today, my son will have a legacy. And what my son does not have today, my grandson will have a legacy. And what my grandson doesn't have today, my great-grandsons have. Now, he had it always back it up. Hold up, in my line, I see there's going to be a true blessing coming through. And that true blessing will be a blessing to all time. That through my line, I see there's going to be a Jesus being born in my family. That there'll be a testimony being said. This is the Son of God. The Son of God has come. He's not going to be born in Highland Park. He's not going to be born in South Dallas. He's going to be born in the worst of the worst. They call the city that he's from the city of garbage. What good can come from it? I see down the line, there's going to be a promise made. I see that God will redeem through my family the whole entire world. Now, he didn't have it that day, though. God said, because you say yes, you want to say I have more in store for you. If you're angry at your job today, baby, you're blocking your blessings. Because you're telling your God you only can do temporary things. My God says I can do eternal, everlasting, for I'll show out in front of everybody's things. That's what my God can do. And so when I understand that, I understand I have power now. So when you say yes to God, you have power. See, I don't have to, to, to succumb to what everybody expects of me. Some of y'all have seen your grandmama was an alcoholic. So the community expects you're going to be an alcoholic. Some of y'all, your mama ran the streets and every man know your mama's name. Some of them have expectations. They're going to know your name. Because I say yes to God, I don't have to succumb to the expectations of the community or the people. I can rise to the expectations that God has placed in me. I can live that Jeremiah 29 11 life that God has a plan for me to prosper me. I can live. I don't care if my granddaddy or my great granddaddy was a slave. My God has set me free. He said who the son has set free. It's truly free indeed. I don't care what your expectations of me are. God has an expectation of me that's mightier than your word. And he did tell me he's the author and finisher of my faith. So understand, you don't write my story. Your boss don't write your story. Your mama don't write your story. The people in the community don't write your story. There's only one author, and that's Jesus Christ. And you understand? He started this race. He's going to finish the race. Ain't nothing like a finisher. When you're running a relay, you want your best person running that anchor. Because just in case the first three get a little sloppy, that person running the anchor, they chop it. They chop it. They're not going to drop the baton because they chop it. And God is chopping for you in your life. He is running this race for your life. And so when we get here, when we get here, I don't know why some of y'all not shouting this morning. Because you should have been dead a long time ago. I don't know why some of y'all not shouting this morning. Because some of y'all probably should have died in the car wreck that you were in. Some of y'all had a hard pregnancy and a hard labor. You should have been gone, but you're still here. 
Some of y'all through that first relationship that you had. Some of y'all that first relationship, that so-called first love, who dogged you out, you should have been gone. You should have been all jacked up. Some of y'all were so high on drugs, you should have OD'd somewhere, but you're still here. Some of y'all been drinking this and drinking that. Don't even know what you're drinking at this point. You live all jacked up. But somehow you're still here. Somebody needs to shout that God has me here and they yet life right now. When you're in a yet life, understand, this is what I love about conjunction, junction, my function. Because when you're in a yet life, when you're in a yet life, yet, then despite all the things I've been going through, yet God's about to do something. Even though I was a drug addict, yet God would do something with me. Yet I was a hot mess, yet God would do something for me. Even though they said I should not be a C student, don't push that boy, he will be nothing to where every other statistic says. God said, yet I will do something with him. I don't care what they say about you, yet God said I can do so much in you. You could have been lying down in the funeral home today, you need a shout. You could have been down in Lusteric or the county jail, you need a shout. You could have been down there in Parkland, waiting for hours and hours and hours. But you're not. You're healthy. You could have been there smoking dope or on the corner drinking. But you're here in church. God has a promise and a hope and a plan for you today. So how many will stand and say yes today to God? How many will say yes? Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till 2 p.m. Today, right now, you need to say yes. You need to say yes because you know you had some good days and some bad days. But God is still there. You need to say yes. You need to say yes. I know you've been weary. I know some of our mothers have had sleepless nights. But you need to say yes. I know you've had some setbacks. But you need to say yes. Because like Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't know about you. I don't want no more happiness. I ain't pursuing happiness. Happiness is temporary. I'm pursuing joy. Joy is eternal. Joy is from God. Joy will take me through when everybody's dogging me out. Joy will take me when they cut my pay. Joy will take me if they should evict me. Joy will take me if nobody shows up and just me and my, my wife. And even if it's not there, it's just me. Joy will take me and preach to myself. I've been preaching to myself all this week. God is saying I'm still here. I'm still on my throne. And I'm still all-powerful. I'm still that God. Somebody this morning needs to say yes to Christ Jesus. I'm inviting you. If you don't know Christ Jesus in your heart, today you need to say yes. If you do not, if you do not have a church home, why not make victory your church home? I would say, say yes. If you say, Pastor, Pastor, I've been struggling. I've been struggling in a certain area of my life. I've been messing around and messing up. If everybody knew my story, they might, ooh, ah. Uh. Just like a young lady told me, I always ask defendants in my other job, well, what did you do? Normally, I, I get regular answers. Sold drugs, did this. When a young lady who was really young told me, well, I committed arson, oh. And she had to say, <laughs> just as I said, I got that shock on my face. No, no, you didn't get that shock on my face. Because this is the thing. No matter what you did, it could shock me. It won't shock God. No matter how big of a mess you're in, my God can correct it. No matter how much turmoil and storm you're in, my God is right there. No matter what you think cannot happen, my God says I make the impossible possible. 
I make the crooked road straight. My God can do that. He healed blind men. He fed 5,000. He put, he rose Lazarus from the dead. If God can do all that, you don't think he can handle a little crack cocaine addiction? You don't think he can handle a little anger addiction? You don't think he can handle a little joblessness? You don't think he can handle a little doubt in you? My God took care of all that. He had the Israelites walk on dry land on the Red Sea. You don't think he took down a mighty empire? He can handle your little problems? My God is all powerful. The doors of the church open. Come on down. Amen.